Yo, and welcome to the EPM show. This is all things enterprise performance management, and we're doing our best to give you an unfair career advantage. I'm your host, Blake Bozarth, joined by Chad Pike again today. I've been looking forward to this episode. I look forward to almost every episode. This one especially so because this is a good, very close friend, a hero for me in so many ways. Steve Petrosic is on the show today. Steve, welcome to the EPM show. Hey, thank you, Blake. It's good to be on and the chat. It's been great to meet you and looking forward to it. So, hey, before we get into the meat of it, we like to ask every guest our patented question, Steve, and that is tell us a little bit about you and your career in 60 seconds. We have a little timer here and we'll turn you loose. Go for it. Okay, great. Hey, I hail from Michigan. That's why I'm wearing the, the, the Ferris State logo over here. <laughs> and my career, I was fortunate enough to start at General Motors. And uh, man, they taught me a ton working directly in manufacturing materials management. But then I parlayed into sales because everyone said, dude, what are you, what are you doing in manufacturing? You belong in sales. And so I listened and I went and interviewed and uh, had the, the fortune, good fortune to work for a company, Reynolds and Reynolds out of Dayton, Ohio, learn solution sales and every aspect of it. And it, it carved the way for me to actually end up going with a bunch of startup software niche companies, free markets, Ariba, you know, which all got acquired and all roads lead to SAP or Oracle. So then I, I did, <laughs> did the SAP thing and I'm a, I'm a software guy at heart, line of business. So what it takes to run procurement, manufacturing, supply chain, that's been my bailiwick for years. And I get it because I come from the industry. So that's been it. And then I've you know, been working in kind of doing the private equity thing lately and uh, just helping companies get to their growth aspirations. And so I've been on that trail for the past tail end of my career here. So I've been enjoying that. Nailed it. Nailed it. Now we got to incorporate a little bit more of the personal side. So knowing you a little bit, I got to ask you, natural athlete, quarterback in college, tell me about... I've, I've never seen it, but tell me a little bit about barefooting. When's the last, when's the last time you barefooted behind a boat, Steve? So you're trapping me because what <laughs> I do every year is I, on my birthday, I always want to barefoot and I do, you know, frontwards, backwards. I do what every, <laughs> everything I know how to do. And this last year I didn't do it and oh. I don't really have an excuse. I, I really don't. I know I can go out there this afternoon and, do that right but you know it's one of those things I, I used to love to get on the water and and you know started just regular skiing first and competition skiing you know with slalom and trick and and jumping but then barefooting just caught my attention it's fun it's got that screwless loose mentality chad so you know oh, yeah. and then you keep pushing the envelope to try more but i can still do it i know i know i can but i just haven't this year <laughs> like it's been over a you're year you're gonna make it happen because i haven't seen it yet so i gotta i gotta be involved don't do it without me please chad oh, you're up. I just, yeah oh, tons of videos well, and there's there's proof i've got pictures right. okay well i need you to send that to me because i can't imagine so mike so two questions first like what was the first time you you did barefoot and how did that go <laughs> no, it, you're gonna you're gonna laugh because we were just we were Basically, I'm thinking my eighth grade year, maybe because we were we we're just a bunch of little dudes, right? And we had this boat that was a that had a 50 horsepower Johnson on it, and we would pull tubes like black inner tubes, right? My dad put the harness on. <laughs> and one day we're sitting there, and I'm on the back of it, and we're cruising along, sitting on the back with my feet on the front, and I'm like, I think I can stand up in the center of this thing. 
And I did. And I stood up and I pulled that tube right around my waist and I was barefooted. And it was easy as could be. And we taught all sorts of people to do that right through the center of a tube. So you would stand wow. up, pull the tube right up. And then the only issue was when you would fall because then you would tangle. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. And it was, a, it was a mess, man. But that's how we learned. And then from there, it was ski booms. And, you know, you learn on a ski boom off the side of the boat. And then it just becomes much simpler at that point. Mm, then you watch okay. videos. When videos came out, VHS, right? How to do it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad to know because for those who – our audience we were talking offline about having some screws loose and steve was giving me a hard time about wrestling so i'm glad that we can relate on this topic that's fantastic that's too good if only you had a youtube channel back in the day steve maybe, maybe it's not too late it's not too late we can crank that up the meat of the show today we're, we're going to dive into you're you're a legend of enterprise sales you've been well now you've been selling the cloud i guess the last however many years and you have a lot of experience in this industry, working with tons of different clients across different types of, of industries. We want to talk to you a little bit about what are you seeing in the marketplace these days, Steve, especially when it comes to maybe that mid-market that hasn't always been the focus of, of some of these platforms, the, the legacy player platforms in the past that were more geared towards the very large enterprises. What are, what are you seeing now at Argano when you're, when you're actually looking at mid-market clients that aren't quite to that same level and threshold. What does it look like? Yeah, it's a, it's an awakening in the sense that, that, you know, all companies need help in terms of, you know, gaining efficiencies and, and in access to, you know, effective software. And now that everything is, is cloud-based and even with, with, with SAP moving from perpetual to, to cloud, it, it, it allows an entry point that's manageable. So if a, if a mid-market company has got a focal point, maybe, maybe hone in on some supply chain practices or hone in on whatever it may be, just HR or procurement, they can do that. They can deploy through the cloud and focus on the one aspect of the help that they need, tie that into their you know, existing enterprise solution or move everything kind of module by module, but it's much more manageable and cost-effective and the ability for you know, companies like SAP and, and others to, you know, actually implement and take care of the, the need at hand and then migrate and pull everything over as needed. You know, it doesn't have to be one failed swoop and, you know, everything has to be bought and plugged in, you know, simultaneously. So that's a, that's a great opportunity for, for the mid-market. We're seeing it. We're seeing it happen across the board of, of them picking and choosing. So... Steve, can you define mid-market in terms of like maybe top line revenue? What kind of range are we talking here? Just because just, that can be a broad category. And I know with some of the, the solution providers that we've talked to and worked sure. with, a lot of them, most of their business is, you know, 1 billion in revenue plus. So can you maybe give some context into that, you know, headcount and revenue size that we're talking about? Yeah, here, so where it, you it think ranges, Chad, it, it does. And it's, you know, we've got a bunch of, you know, like great clients, you know, that are, you know, using our solutions, a cloud-based, but, you know, ranges from, I would say, 250000 a year up to what I would classify right right to about, you know, $1 billion, to your point, what you were saying before. Now, there's, there, you know, in terms of 
you know, you you have what you would consider a mid-market company that, you know, may have, may have been hovering around, you know, 800 million, but now they're up to, you know, 3 billion. It's happened. Good for them. But we still consider them a mid-market company because, you know, it started at one point and, and it's kind of ended up in another through growth. You know, headcount depends. It depends on what your product mix is, right? You can have a, you know, you can have a $750,000 a year company and it's, you know, it's something that doesn't take a lot of labor intensive aspects, right? Retail energy is a perfect example. You could have a big company and 20 people could be running the entire company versus, you know, we've got food manufacturers that, you know, tend to be more labor intensive. So it all depends on your product mix up and down the scale. So we talked about some of this too, with our mutual friend, Steve, Paul Melchiori, about just that, that mid-market and how there's, there's, you're just laughing at, at, at the name, Paul Melchiori. You guys go way back, I know. But when, when, we, when we think about that, that mid-market, the demand that's come there, a lot of them, a lot of some of those, those companies have been living in spreadsheets, living in Excel for so long, realizing that, hey, as the world has gotten so much more dynamic, we need to be more dynamic in the way that we can forecast, the way that we can plan. And now there's actually solutions that are much more attainable, much more affordable, much more scalable, if you will, in that, in that segment. Talk to us more though. You mentioned this before we, we were, we started recording today around what are some of the challenges you're seeing there? So the demand is there. Some of the, some of the solutions are now there in terms of affordability, scalability, but what are some of the challenges that you're still seeing in terms of actually realizing that kind of solution and game. Yeah, the biggest challenge that we see is that okay, a company may may have an initiative and they're and they're ready to go and there's actually technology that's that's set that can handle that. And they recognize that, right? They've been through the the demonstrations, they understand how it's going to plug in. We, you you walk them through an implementation plan and they 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 look behind them and they're like, "Shit, I just I don't have the resources. I don't have the skill. I don't like it's not just a person, right? It needs to be a person that knows how to actually implement and utilize. You're never going to get to the value if you don't have the right people sitting in the seats and utilizing the software the right way and, and, and being creative. So that's the number one challenge is that they don't have the bodies and you can go across any initiative and there's a just a shortage of talent. That's at the LE, large enterprise and mid-market. So then it kind of moves into another area we're seeing is that the people, the talented people, the practitioners of the business, the young people, right, that have, have, that have the certifications, that understand, you know, the, the application to the business, they know how to operate, they know how to implement. These people are in high demand. They, they really are. And they've got a way of protecting themselves, not only currently, but in the future, if they, if they stick to that, that experience and, and build on it, and then maybe, you know, move from supply chain to manufacturing, whatever it is. So that's what we're seeing. We facilitate a lot of that headcount at Argonal. You know, we do that. That's what we do is we hire that skill set. We hire those practitioners of the business, but man, it is getting competitive. It's not like, it is so competitive. So that's, you know, that's what I'm seeing. That's the biggest, that's probably the biggest challenge. People are ready to go. They see the initiative, can't get going. Steve, it's, it's so funny you mentioned this. We've, we've definitely seen this become a theme just across any, any type of transformation 
sometimes a trap that leaders can fall into is they think the technology will just be the, you know, the, the silver bullet that'll do it. But really it, every, every successful transformation starts with people, right? So on the people side, you talk about that young talent being in such high demand because they have the technical skill sets. What are maybe some things that they could be doing to make sure they're taking advantage of that opportunity. And I'm thinking more along the lines of their, their soft skills or interpersonal skills. What's going to set someone apart from, you know, I'm good and I'm technical to I'm great and I'm a change agent and I'm a change leader in this organization. Can you maybe help them jump a level? Yeah. So the, there's, there's one word that actually expresses that more than anything I've ever, I've ever seen. And it's, it's, uh, it's called courage. You know, it really, you, you, you have to have the courage, I mean, to look in the mirror and like, and, you know, do things, say things, learn things that make a difference that can directionally help, you know, the leadership of your company. And, you know, some of the best ways to do that is to, you got to hone in on, you know, you're talking about interpersonal skills. It's, it's taking the classes and the things that you think are kind of a waste of time. The Toastmasters, the public speaking, the way to outline points and get points across. I mean, there's there's lots of good training, but the best is, you know, finding a mentor that's going to help pull you along, that you can shoulder up with and watch how they do it. Because, look, I, yeah, I've been in sales forever, right? Sales. But the, the reality is, is that I, I'm in positions of selling solutions that are going to help people. But there's also that director that has to sell to his, you know, CIO or CFO that it's worth this investment. So it's like the people that you're working with are always trying to sell to. They're, they're, they're selling your solution. They're selling themselves, their brand their equity, their experience, right? It's just kind of funny to sit back and look at it. It's like people that are never in sell, sales are still selling. I mean, they're pushing ideas. They're trying to make a difference. It's, you know, so, you know, th th those are the things that, you know, you work on as a, as a young individual. And then, man, there's so many good mentors and people out, out there as well. And that brings up a different point. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm talking, we're talking about the young people there's such a like value of these industry experts, right? I'm, I'm honing in on, on, on the old people like me, because, you know, this is, this is a guy, certain, you know, I'm turning 60 this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. I feel good, but there's so many people I work with that have such industry experience, deep, deep industry experience that we're losing those people. And that knowledge needs to transfer. It's like, that's another big concern is, you know, some people aren't good at transferring that knowledge. There's just, you know, so it's kind of on both ends of the spectrum. And those people are, you know, starting to slowly like, see you later, you know? And, and so, then we have a hard time finding and getting more of those people to utilize. So anyway. So a, cu a couple of great nuggets there. One is I love, and maybe this is like something we actually call out as a big part of this episode is the necessity if you want to be successful in your career even as a technical expert the necessity of being able to sell and doesn't mean that you have to have a steve petrosic sales experience and and skill set but it just means that you do you actually do change your frame of reference a little bit and it's like yeah i i have a lot of great hard skills and that's 
that's that's that's a lot of the value I'm bringing to the table. But if I'm somebody who wants to not just have a average career, a, a, a normal career, if I'm somebody who wants to really make a big impact in whatever organization I'm a part of, right. to do that, you need to embrace the sales side. And and it, it looks like, I love what you said, Steve, it's about understanding that you do have a personal brand and what is that brand? Do people understand what you bring to the table? And when you're passionate about the organization going a certain way or taking advantage of a certain opportunity, do you have the, have you worked on the skill set of being able to influence to that direction? Yeah. So that, 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 that sticks out in a huge way. And the second big thing is there's, there's a chasm going on between some of these newer, this newer early career talent coming in and some of the, some of the more senior seasoned talent that's going out. And right. it's kind of the onus, I would say the onus hearing you talk, Steve, it's on both parties and, and it is on company leadership to also facilitate that. But if you're somebody who is that seasoned vet, make sure you're reaching out and finding somebody that you can actually transfer that knowledge into help them, not just with their hard skills, but also some of those soft skills and then vice versa as a young person, you be seeking that kind of person out. Both of those, both of those stand out in huge ways. I want to ask you too, Steve, when, when, when you look at what Argonaut is doing now, how, how would you describe, I guess, what makes you guys unique in your approach in the marketplace and with clients and I know you talked about how a common theme for, for you guys and the clients you're working with is it may start with one initiative, one, one piece of the enterprise, and then you end up helping kind of transform and connect more and more the rest of the enterprise. But what, what, what does it look like for you in these days with, with Argano specifically? Well, so Argano is a, you know, that's, it's a big umbrella, right? So we're, you know, we're a, a very you know, focused company on implementing solutions and, and, and making sure that the value recognition happens, right? So we do this across Oracle, we do this across Microsoft, we do this across Salesforce, and then, you know, our responsibility of our team is, is in, within SAP. So a lot of this, you know, what makes us different is that we've got tremendous, tremendous, like, case study examples, so we know how to do it. We can we can reference and show people what we've done and 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 how to how to do it and how to make it work. The the one thing that really makes us different too, though, is is that again, let's say people don't have the resources or they have the resources and now they're adopting new technology. There's so many underlying issues that we help clients with, and one of the big ones is like. Hey, I want to advance my technology in, in a certain area. And then you realize that they don't have the process. Their process is incorrect, right? The way that they do things, the way that the supply chain works, the way the manufacturing works, things have changed in the industry that warrant that you do things differently to take advantage of this new technology, right? So that change management aspect of it, which we, you could call process improvement, you can call it whatever you what you want we help companies transform and work better in the beginning to change things so when they do implement the software it, it actually is going to get to the value and get to the value in a timely manner and then sustainable you know throughout their journey so it's to you someone said it earlier i don't think it was chad if it was you or if it was blake but some people think that they can install technology and magical things are going to happen you know, you install new technology with the wrong process, a lot of bad things are going to happen. So mm -hmm. that's what makes us really unique is that we, we, 
uncover all of that. And we just, we're not going to let people, you know, fall into a disastrous situation for the sake of selling bodies and implementing software the wrong way. It, it just, that's just not good business. Mm-hmm. So Steve, what's one thing companies should stop doing in their change management process? Like one thing that may, they think might be right, but it's actually take having a negative effect. They need to, they need to listen and, and actually make the change. It, a lot of times it's recommended and it's directionally given as to what they should do. And you, then you, then you fall into this area of, of, um, nobody has an ugly baby. We've really worked hard at this process and we've implemented this and we've got it going on. We are the best of the best in our industry. What do you mean we should, you know, think about the suggested changes and even though they make sense, they don't do it. They just don't, they simply won't make the change. That's the, that's the one thing that you see that's, that's fairly, you know, frustrating. And then you're sitting back going, that's not going to work. And it doesn't work. I love that bit about, Hey, it's not just that technology is not a silver bullet, but if you bring in new technology without working on people process and getting, and getting the change management piece, right. It can actually make things a lot worse. (laughs) It's a great, it's a great, it's a great ad there, Steve, before we let you go, I got another one for you. And that is, this is more of a personal question, but had a really successful career storied career, if you will. Is there anything maybe personal to you, whether it's career or anything else that is something that you're going after these days? Think of it like a, a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal that, that you're trying to go after these days. You know, it's, there's not, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that say like, you know, Hey, I'm going to go do a marathon or I'm going to do an Ironman because I've already done all that stuff. (laughs) So, you know, right. Seven, seven, accomplished all the BHAGs. I count the Ironmans and then there's, then there's multiple marathons. I'm not thinking. So it's not that it's, it's, you know, I, my, my big goal right now is to, is just to, I want to help people. I want to, you know, it, it, it just helping people like I, you know, you guys are in the business of, of putting people, you know, to work and that's a great thing. I, I've been doing that a long, long time. Like I, I really aspire to, you know, help people get up to speed. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're gone out from underneath our organization and out to something else. So I want to do more of that. You know, I, I really do, but do that, do that still from an aspirational standpoint of, I, I want to contribute to the company that I'm with. Right. So, you know, big goal might sound a little crazy. I want this to be wildly successful at Argano. And at the same time, you know, help people bridge the gap in their careers, you know, as a sounding board, as a placement of people, because, you know, as you get older, as you work at a bunch of different places, like I have, the network expands quite a bit too. So, you know, the ability to, to plug people in and, and help each other out, that's, that's always very rewarding. So not a big audacious goal, as you say, but just continuation of that and, and just, just contribute, add value. You know, that's the business front. Other than that, I'm going to try to be a good, you know, good, good, good husband, good father and good grandfather. So. Hey man, and a good uncle Steve to my yeah, kids just a, down the way know, in the neighborhood. Hey, Lord, Lord willing. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what it all comes down to. You've got to, you got to be here in the, in the grace of God and do the good for God. And, you know, as long as, as long as Lord's willing, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Amen. 
Amen. Hey, thanks so much, Steve, for making the time and coming on the show today. We really appreciate it and can't wait to continue to see what you drive going forward. That means we got to be back on again sometime. So it's going to happen. You need to get Melchior and I on together. That would be the fun. Oh. That, that, that's, that's a lot of personality for one show, but maybe we can make it happen. Yeah. All right. Good Take stuff. Care, guys. All right. Thanks. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. Peace. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Wherever you're consuming this, if it's YouTube, if it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we appreciate you. Make sure you're subscribed. We have a lot more amazing guests on the way, a lot more great content. We're doing our best to bring you value and have fun while we do it. And we really want this to be a career advantage listening to this show and we want you to enjoy it. So it means a lot. Make sure you're subscribed for what's, what's to come. And also, if you're up for it, it would mean a lot if you leave us a like, a comment, a rating, a review, whatever platform you're on. That really helps and it gets us fired up when we see those. So I appreciate you guys. Find us on LinkedIn. I'm Blake Bozarth, my co-host Chad Pike with a Y. Would love to connect with you there. Have an awesome day. See you next time. Peace.